0: We've been talking about eschatology, which is just the end times. James has a very simple eschatology. Let's go ahead and reread the section and we'll mark where we left off. Starting in verse 7 Be patient, therefore, brethren unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. So we see the imperative of patience, of endurance, and we see that we are to be like the gardener who has planted and waits for the fruits, and waiting and trusting that God will send His providence, by His providence, that which is needed, the earlier and the latter rains. He says, Be also, just like the gardener, patient. Establish your hearts. Get rooted. Root your hearts down. Why? Because the coming of the Lord draws nigh. The Perusius is coming. The time where his presence will be here. And then this eschatology affects the way we live. The way we, the way we relate one to another. Grudge not one against another. Like a... Yeah. lest you be judged. Uh, grudge. No, like a selfish dog growling after, after its own meat, lest anyone else. Take a part of it. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, our judge is the one that's coming. He's ready at the door right now. And then that's where we left off. And now we're going to look at verse 10 and 11. We may get through both of these verses today. If not, um, we'll do the rest of it next week take that's the imperative here take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the lord for an example of now this ain't no fun suffering affliction and of patience that's the endurance that's the that's the uh long endurance we talked about behold now we have a second behold we talked about the gardener now behold something else behold we count them happy which endure Ye have heard of the patience of job and have seen the end of the lord that the lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy let me ask you a question i assume you all have been reading your bible and been doing so faithfully for a long time When we read the book of Job, do we come to that conclusion? Do we come to the conclusion that the Lord is very pitiful and is very merciful? I don't think we often do. Because when we read the book of Job, what are we seeing? Well, we're seeing suffering. We're seeing affliction. But James says that's the end. That's what we should be getting out of the book of Job. The end of the Lord, which is that He is pitiful and of tender mercy. I want to try to get there eventually, maybe today, maybe next week. But let's start here in verse 10. The patient endurance that we have been commanded to take part in, to continue in, and to finally complete, has been given gracious examples so i don't know how to endure well he's given you examples now he's giving us that word examples he's given us a lot of bad examples in the scriptures and i'm thankful for those we can read the old testament and we can see the sins that our brethren have committed our sisters have committed and they act as examples first corinthians chapter 10 that same word is used. He says, he says they complained, and, they, and a lot of them died. They, they, they weren't able to enter into the promised land because of this sin and that sin. They turned this way and that way, and these things are written for our examples. God has given us examples. I'm thankful for those examples. Brother Cameron always used to point out the, 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 the gracious examples we have in life, such as, uh, anybody have a lawnmower? And it's got a picture of that, of that, it says, do not put your hand under the deck. And it's got a picture with a big circle around it, a big X through, or a big cross through it saying, don't do this. What is it say, telling you not to do? Don't put your hand under there because it'll cut off your fingers. And it shows little blood splattering out of the fingers. That's a bad example. I'm thankful that he gave us those examples. But he has graciously also given us examples in the prophet's. Of those that have endured. Christ asks us to consider the suffering of the prophets before us as being related to our own blessed states. He says, All right, all right, we've talked about this patient endurance here. Now I want you to take something. You have been given something here graciously. This is a gift for you. The Word of God sitting on your lap tells you about the prophets and it tells you how they endured how they made it through, take that as a gift of God's grace, is that there is a fellowship that you and I have with the people that were written about in the Bible. Uh, There's a fellowship of suffering that we share with them. And James is not just making an arbitrary connection here. He is making a connection that Jesus Christ himself made. You remember in the Beatitudes. And those Beatitudes are very challenging because what do they say? Blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are uh, uh, the hungry and the thirsty after after righteousness and things of that nature. But what was one of the Beatitudes that Jesus Christ himself gave in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10? He said... Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you, I made this connection already with uh, John Bunyan's *Pilgrim's Progress*, about how it's broken up into two parts. And forgive me for repeating myself, but John Bunyan, in the first part, talks about Pilgrim and he's making his way to the Celestial City, and he goes by the cross where he loses the great burden of sin after going through the straight gate. And he travels and he makes it across the Jordan into the celestial city, but part two was, a, was all about this company of people that went the same way that he went and enjoyed the blessings of the giants that he slew by grace. The story of Christiana in the second part of John Bunyan's classic. There are people that's gone before us. They've traveled this road before. And we have graciously been given their stories. I think that we should avail ourselves much of those stories. We should be looking at Elijah. We should be looking at Moses. And we should be looking at Joshua. We should be reading their stories and saying, Lord, thank God that we have been given this grace These gracious examples, Joseph, we're just reading through the faith hall of fame of of, of those that have endured. Here, James draws on the same, same fact that Christ did. There were others before us, and we've been given their stories. Take those, use them for your good, he says. That is the imperative, again in the aorist tense. It's something we can take and something we can fully receive. The giver is implied to be James, but ultimately the giver is the Holy Spirit of God. We have been giving a great treasure. The stories of those who walked the same faith, went through the same trials, were faithful, some of them even to death. Take those. That's the imperative here. It's an imperative of grace, and a gift has been given to us for our benefit. They have a testimony for us to receive. We have been given examples, and what is the gift that we're to be? They they are the gift is that example, that 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 uh, that picture, if you will. That there is a unity, a singular example. He says here. Um, He says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken unto you in the name of the Lord for an example, a singular example. There is a unity of all of them that they all share. They are an example of one specific thing here. They are an example of people who have endured for God. That's the example we have. Uh, It's interesting. You, you, You see the relationship between them and us. Go to Hebrews 11 just a few pages back from where you are in James right now, but Hebrews 11, we call this the Faith Hall of Fame, right? And it says, and after talking about all these people who have done all these things uh, through grace, by faith, it says in verse 39, and these all have obtained a good report through faith and received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. We're part of the same story. We're writing the story of faith again for others to see us in us and have that example in us. And it says in the very next verse in chapter 12, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Some people read that cloud of witnesses and say that's loved ones gone on and they're viewing things from heaven and and that makes us feel good. But that cloud of witnesses is everyone that was spoken of in chapter 11. These great examples of faith. We are compassed about with so great a cloud of those who have witnessed the same name that you and I have taken upon ourselves by faith. We... There's this singular story that we're telling by our faith. And we are part of that fellowship of those people who have stood and have given clear examples of that. These, like us, have spoken by by that same name of the Lord that you and I now have. We've identified with that name, and we are called by that name just as they are. They endured They have have run their race. They have fought their battles. They have have won their crown. And now we must do the same. What sort of example do they offer us? They offer us an example of patient endurance, the very thing that we talked about. But they also offer us an example of, well, going back to James 5 here, Of suffering affliction. And that's going to be particular, something particular we're going to talk about with Job. Others have endured before us, so that's the important thing here. Uh, Barnes said, to encourage them to exercise a patience, he points them to the example of those who had trod the same thorny path before them. I like when we get to Psalm, when, I, when we're reading, I, when I'm reading, you're not reading with me, I guess. I'm reading Psalm 84, and it talks about, and he gives this odd command. He said, He said, uh, Those that go through the valley of Baca, that's a dry, arid, horrible place, make wells. Why? Because there's people behind them that need those things that they have done. People of God have endured. You read, if you take time to read Hebrews eleven, some were what won great battles, faced lions, but some were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. Some were sawn, sawn asunder, and and and, uh, and they were chased, and they lived in caves and dens, and they are our examples. Which brings us to the story of Job. I've got to keep an eye on time. I don't know what time it is. Oh, there's my phone. i got a little bit. <clears throat> Verse 11. Behold, we count them happy that endure. So, there is an end. We saw that first behold in verse seven, which highlighted that means by which the Lord enables the gardener to endure, and now we come to a second behold to close out this this section on eschatology, the end itself, the harvest is coming, so this is presented this for this end we are presented with truths about. Truths we account or reckon to be true. Uh, This kind of has a customary ring to it. Behold, this is what we naturally do. We count them happy that endure. Um, No one who has ever had a story worth telling uh, just gave up. (laughs) We don't tell stories about about people who ran away or people who sat at home and did nothing. We tell stories about people who endured. Right? That's the customary thing. This is a customary uh, declaration. Behold, this is what we do. We always do this. We count them happy that endure. Uh, We tell accounts of heroes. We indeed count the ones having endured uh, uh, as happy or blessed. This is how we tell our stories universally. Human stories have something called conflict. And the hero or the protagonist of the story does what? They endure through the conflict, whatever that conflict happens to be. And what do, we, what do we have at the end? We have a character that we consider happy, that we consider blessed because they endured. We cannot help but admire those characters in our stories we want to tell about them. We want to be inspired by them. And we continuously repeat those stories over and over again. We do, in count, we do indeed, as a people, count them happy which endure. We sit around and we say, I wish I was like them. I wish I could be more like that person in this area and in that area. That's how we tell our stories. And it, it of course, agrees with the scriptures, that very thing. Christ counted them happy which endured in the Beatitudes. James here has been telling us about endurance and at the end he is saying it's true, it's good that we count these happy. Ultimate happiness belongs to those who pursue God and not the perishing things of this world. And of note, I want you to note here before we get too deep in this, where he says uh, that there is an end of the Lord, that the that. The prophets that spoke of the name of the Lord as were examples. Uh, it's in here, specifically when he talks about Job, Job's Lord was our Lord. It's the same Lord. Again, very high proof of the highly developed Christology of James, because the Lord in this book is Jesus. Jesus was Job's Lord. But I don't want to, we, we've already kind of talked about that let's talk about Job I'm sure you all read Job right it's hard to get through to right it's hard uh, we don't want what happened to Job to happen to us <laughs> um, but God gives us a true story he tells us true stories Job's a true story if our myths and tales of fiction give us characters that we count bless, how much more are the real characters of God? By the way, Job is only mentioned here in the New Testament. The book of Job is quoted one other time in the New Testament. So we, we don't doubt its canonicity. Uh, Paul quoted it in 1 Corinthians 3.19. He quoted Job's own words from Job 5. And it's not even mentioned that much in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about Ezekiel here in a second. Ezekiel mentions him. So like the prophets of generally, Job's entire story is summed up by its endurance. That's what this section of James is about. That's what Job is about, his patience. And you have seen the patience. That's how we sum up Job. The patience of Job. How he bore under, abided under a great weight. That's what that word again is. Jonathan Edwards, I don't remember the specific book, but I took the quote down, said this. It is important that we should have a book to teach us how to conduct ourselves under affliction. Seeing the church of God here is in a militant state. And God's people, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of heaven. The church is for a long time under trouble, meets with fiery trials and extreme sufferings before her time of peace and rest in the latter ages of the world. Therefore, God gave us a book, most proper in these circumstances, the book of Job. And though written on occasion of the afflictions of a particular saint... It was probably at first given to the church in Egypt under her afflictions there and is made use of by James to comfort Christians under persecution. That's who James is writing to, right? The scattered. Paul breathed out threatening, started slaughtering Christians in Jerusalem and now they're being chased and they're scattering everywhere under threat of death. And he says, you remember the patience of Job. Job may have thought, when we're considering Job, we like to kind of skip over it. <laughs> we like to read the first five verses. Yeah, he was blessed. You know, we're somewhat interested in the spiritual warfare aspect of it with the devil and everything else like that. And then we want to skip over all the sorrow and get to the end. Now, yeah, he gets all, everything back twice as much. And Job may have, been, may have even thought that was the whole purpose, was we'll so we can receive, James says, The book's about his patience. It's about his afflictions. But it appears the suffering itself of Job was the purpose for which it was written, that many generations may learn to glorify God as Job did. And it may be that the trial trial in our life in and of itself is for the glory of God. Well, we know it is, just like it was for Job. Why did Job suffer? Because his story would be an example of our need to endure too. Barnes stated the book of Job was written among other reasons to show that true religion would bear any form of trial to which it could be subjected. I couldn't imagine being Job, could you? Now, all of us at one point in time have suffered loss, some of us more profound than others. But none of us, all at once, in the same manner that Job did. Job was a testimony before people he didn't even know. Uh, before angels, we see that first and foremost. Uh, he wasn't even aware of the, of the backdrop that was creating the context in which he was suffering. He wasn't aware of it. We were, because we were reading it. And we got to see it before all the suffering came down. We knew the reason that there was a devil, that there was, there was a spiritual warfare that was going on, and it was, it was part. But Job had a testimony before angels that he wasn't even aware of. He was caught in the middle of a spiritual contest that he was not even aware. And what did he do? When it all fell down upon him, He said, Naked came I into this world, and naked I will return. Blessed be the name of my God. He maintained his integrity and honored his Lord before he suffered, while he suffered, through his trial before men, to be brought out on the other side, blessed of the Lord. And surprisingly enough, he never ceased to be blessed of the Lord. At no point in time, I want to tell you something, and I've probably said this before, many a few years ago, and I want to say it again. Do you know the book of Job is not about Job? James says what the book of Job was about. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, have you seen the end. That's the purpose of the Lord. Who's the protagonist in the story? It's not Job. Who's the one? You know what I mean by protagonist. It's the protagonist is that person in the story whose decisions make everything happen. Who's that? God. So the book of Job may be like the book of Esther or the book of Ruth or the book of Samuel. That's not really about those characters at all. All of these are just greater subject. All of these lives are just about a greater subject. And Job was the chief supporting character. This book is not... I'm done. I have nothing else to say. God desired to be glorified through the life of Job. Every other character in the book was an eventual antagonist to that end. Job's wife was an antagonist to that end. She said, you just need to curse God and die. Job's friends were an antagonist to that end. The devil was an antagonist to that end. Even at times, Job himself became an antagonist to that end where he wanted to talk about how good he was. In the end, God was glorified in all points of the life of Job. You can break up the entire book like this. His initial blessing, his suffering, his trial, and his vindication. And the sooner it is realized that what we are going through is not about us but about God the better it is for us too. The more joyful we will be. The theme throughout all of this is the greatness of God. When God finally spoke in the book of Job, what did he say? Did he give Job any answers? Did he tell him why? No. He pointed him towards the greatness of God. And that's a good enough reason for why we suffer. Job is still the central character of the book, though. It is his life that creates the backdrop for which we see the greatness of our God. Our lives have the same purpose. Even if our lives are not immortalized in Scripture, they will likewise be pressed upon the pages of eternity, the backdrop of eternity. For Job, and ultimately for us all, God has a greater end. We have heard and have seen in Job this end. This is what the book is about. Now, you all have heard of the prosperity gospel, right? Some, a couple of you all rolled your eyes, just me mentioning it. The prosperity gospel. God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to have a picket fence and two cars in the garage. Job had all that and more. First five verses of Job. The prosperity gospel preachers would want Job, the book of Job only to end after Job 1-5. It'll be the shortest book in the entire Bible. In the hands of the prosperity. Yeah. yeah, and then when he gets double. Yeah, just that. Job had everything he wanted and then he gets double. He gets more and he gets more. That's a That's a twisted way of looking at this whole. But that's how If Christians today, and quote-unquote Christians today, were to write the book of Job, that's all that would be in it. But what is in it? Affliction. And what is the purpose of that affliction is for us to see in that affliction that God is... pitiful, and of tender mercy. Did you get that when you read Job? No, we, we, we don't really get that. Why? I, I wonder why that is. It's because we often have a hard time seeing beyond our own trials too, right? We don't understand that God ordained for Job all of this for a reason, because he loved Job. That word, that word pitiful, that, that means, in, in the old times, it, it, you, you ever run into this in the King James, it talks about bowels of mercy. Because <laughs> uh, they considered back in the ancient times that your, your uh, emotions were here in your bowels. We still kind of have that language. We talk about getting butterflies in our stomach when we get when we get a good feeling, or when we fall in love or get a crush on somebody. We get butterflies in our stomach. That's uh, kind of the kind of the same root. Uh, that word "pitiful" is many bowled. God was pitiful. He, he pitied. He yearned after Job. We don't really catch that when we're reading it, but from the very beginning, we see the delight that God had in Job before the suffering ever began. And because he had this delight, he said, I want to use Job. And it says he was of tender mercy. We heard of Job and saw this about the Lord. As faithful as Job was, he stood in need of God's mercy. And the Lord, in His mercy and compassion, chose to use Job. Chose to bless Job. Chose to try Job. Chose to vindicate Job. Chose to reveal Himself to Job. Chose to allow Job to have an enduring testimony that you and I are still reading about today we count him happy don't we even if he would have even if his end would have just been i got to see the lord that would have been enough but he restored and vindicated and and allowed even the request oh that my sufferings were written down in a book that others may read he allowed that to happen Yeah, yeah, he was talking about the... the whole of the book of Job showed Job to be the center of God's affection and attention. And God had greater ends for him. The Song of Mary is very apt commentary for Job, where she sung in Luke one forty-eight. God has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden and behold from henceforth henceforth all generations shall call me blessed that's what he did for job it is in the sufferings that god has ordained for us that his mercy for us his love for us is experienced i'll never forget that it's some of the greatest times of fellowship i ever had with my lord was in some of the darkest hours. You know, the greatest experience Job ever had of his Lord was in his darkest hours. Do we see that when we read Job? Do we see how pitiful our Lord is to us? How many bowed <laughs> he is? How tender he is in his mercy? No, we... we get tunnel vision i'm suffering i'm suffering where is god where is god not realizing that we're closer to god and when in that very in those very ordained circumstances than we have ever been so how do we see this grand end of god god owned him as righteous and when he tried him he came forth as gold you know Ezekiel when he was searching for an example of righteous men who were delivered in their righteousness. He chose 3 in Ezekiel 14 14 and 20. He chose Noah, he chose Daniel who was a living contemporary, and he chose Job. Job was about deliverance by the grace of God to the just, given to the just, who were swallowed up in sorrows and afflictions. What greater gift could he give us than the example of Job when we find ourselves in our own affliction and we think God is far from us. And we think, and we think that what we're going through is not with, with purpose Because when we read Job, we see all of that. Even more than that, his life point his life was allowed to be a point a pointer to Christ. Saint Augustine was among those that saw the term in our text, the end of the Lord, to speak about Christ himself. Who was the end of the law? Romans ten, four the purpose for which the law was written, the purpose for which Job was written is us to see the end of the Lord. After all, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And in the last days, he's going to stand here on this earth. In this context of the end times, he was allowed to be a type of which Christ would be the greater type because who else suffered wrongfully more than Christ? And in the context of the end times, Job was brought to a greater and more fruitful end. As we step back and see the life of Job as a whole, we are reminded of one great truth. The God of Job, the God of the prophets, the God of us, the Lord of us, has ordained for his own for His own glory, for His own majesty, for His own honor that we go through tribulations in this life. I want to end by quoting Paul. 2 Corinthians Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen as the things that are not seen was that a was that a, one of those themes of the book of job it was while we look not on the things which are seen but on the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen they're eternal we have seen the end of the lord we have heard of the patience of job and we saw when we looked at it that the lord the end of the Lord, that He is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I hope you receive something from the Word of the Lord that would be an encouragement to you throughout this week.